An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Borgosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How are you? Well, just about recovered from that weekend. Some weekend, uh, some weekend of action all told now. Oh, I know. I feel like we, we get to say that every weekend we come in after another blockbuster weekend, but this one was no different. And I, we have John Milan later to discuss all the hurling action. David Brady uh, with us for, for the football as well. And then even this morning, more action again. The qualifier draws thrown up two really good ties. We have Waterford versus Clare and Galway versus Tipperary. Uh, the action isn't stopping anytime soon. No, it's not. No, and there were so many moments over the weekend that, that just left people talking. And there were probably people are probably still talking about it. Tony Kelly got three points in the first half for for Clare the other day. They were just one was over his left shoulder, um, about you know about forty five yards out the sideline. Another one was out the sideline, uh, between I'd say probably the six yards, six yards, probably about six yards out from the end line. I'd say he'd no right to be going for it. Then he had Richie Hogan's goal just. One of the one of the great goals, a real freestyle kind of hurling goal, something that like lads would be practicing on playgrounds. I'd say for the, for the next ten years. Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a it was a brilliant weekend. Yeah, I think, and it was the weekend where the hurling really, really took off. It got really, really competitive. Uh, maybe that's because there was provincial finals at stake, and even in, in the back door of the qualifiers, there was really there was no like trap door now. The All Ireland champions Tipperary bounced back. Obviously, a, a really interesting game against Cork there too. Um, but yeah, I think I think the action really, really got kind of hot and heavy properly this uh, last weekend. And I suppose there's so many teams out now. We're really just left the cream is is rising to the top at this stage. Well, one thing I really liked about last weekend was I got to see the Bob O'Keefe Cup, my favourite probably trophy into the GA. It's the <laughs> widest thing I've ever seen. It was Colin Fenley who was straining at the, at the limbs and lifting it. I think. Yeah, massive kind of, if it was a person like this, this massive set of ears on it as well. Almost. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, but I suppose just before we bring in John Milan, disappointing weekend for Offaly Hurling, uh, losing in a penalty shootout in the Christie Green Cup. Uh, I don't know what you, what you make of, of that. It, it, very disappointing that they don't go straight back up. No, it's an absolute disaster, Will. Um, if you got through to the final, the two teams were, were getting back up and it would have been salvaging something from you know what's been a disastrous 2020 if you look at our, our results we're in you know there's 10 teams up in the the top tier of division one or is it 10 or 12 12 actually and we're not in that and we didn't make the division 2a final so technically you know we're, we were the 15th best team in the league and then the third tier of championship hurling we weren't able to qualify for the final and like we've had some trouble with with covid and different things like that but it's really really inexcusable now at this stage um a high profile management team in place and I don't know looking at looking back at the match the other day the penalties were just you know you're kind of looking at they're kind of you know you knew almost, I almost kind of knew my face like before I even watched them it was just had that kind of eerie kind of feeling towards it um, we didn't we didn't deliver in our one time we didn't deliver an extra time and we probably realistically probably got what we deserved to be honest with you just uh, it just I don't know it's, it's hard to kind of get your head around it how like we played down in an All Ireland semi final twenty five years ago, and now we're playing them in a Chris Earing Cup semi final, and we're beaten. Um, very very hard to get your head around, to be honest. Yeah, and a tough twenty twenty one to come for Offaly Hurling. But in the meantime, we'll move on to the Liam McCarthy Cup action. So I'll be joined by John Milan. And John, we'll start with the Munster final yesterday. Limerick versus Waterford. Limerick running out four point winners in the end, but it was very tight going into the into the final quarter. I think Waterford led by a point at one stage around that time. Overall, what are your thoughts? I suppose a good display by Waterford, uh, but Limerick ultimately too strong? First of all, 
I'd like to give a big shout out to the to the, to the players and to the management team. Um, you know, they've put pride back in the jersey. Um, an incredible performance yesterday. A performance that I think Waterford supporters will be extremely proud of. You know, I was even at home myself with the kids and the wife watching it. Strange and really like the World Cup, like something magical about it. Like, you know, the dinner was, was held off and, uh, you know, roaring, screaming at the tel- television and, you know, really, really just a sense of, of pride. And I think the one thing that an offer the Warford supporters will take out of this is that. You know, we're going on the right. Di- we're back on. We're back on the horse again, and we're going in, going in the right direction. And there's one thing Waterford supporters over the years they never ever mind losing once the team leave it out there, and they left it out there to a man. They left it out there. They threw everything in Limerick yesterday. They were incredible, and and you know a bit unlucky going down. You know that the water break possibly came at the wrong time. We were we were one point up. You know, Stephen Bennett stood up. Uh, the burger was was incredible. You know, we were just—it was just a performance that you know instilled a massive amount of confidence um, back into the jersey. And I think Waterford supporters waking up, waking up this morning and yesterday evening would have been extremely proud uh, of of the performance. And I probably called it right, uh, you know. I didn't want to be putting too much pressure on him by saying, oh, ruling my heart over my head and saying, oh, yeah, Waterford are going to win. I think Waterford went into it in a, uh, in a nice place after coming off a good performance against Cork. And, you know, they, could have, they, were, they were able to have a go and have a right crack of it. Now, look, many people will say, look, it's, it's another monster final loss. But, you know, coming off of the last couple of years, not after winning any monster championship matches, uh, you'd have to be, you'd have to be extremely impressed. And, you know, what cattle is brought to the to the table, you know, is, is reflecting in in, in in the players. He demands a shift. It doesn't matter what name you are. If you're not going to be willing to put in a shift for for lean cattle, um, you won't play. You won't play for Waterford, and that's reflecting in, in in his team. They're all working their socks off, and you know, came up a bit short. But look, massive kudos to uh, to to Limerick. I mean, Waterford. Answer, uh, came with an awful lot of questions, um, posed an awful lot of questions to, to Limerick going into that last quarter. But Limerick came with all the answers, and that's that's the sign of 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 a really quality side. You know, when a team, you know, are not going to go away, throw everything at you, and then in the final quarter you come with all the answers. And look, yesterday we see the sign of a good, good, good team is that. You know, on any given day, you might have some lads might be might give blow hard performance. But look, yesterday, you know, all the game the Limerick half forward line, but it was yesterday that the, the Limerick full forward line um, stood up. I thought Greenwell Catty, you know, when when they were under pressure, he really stood up. Um, can I just say, like, will Will O'Donoghue in the middle middle of the field? I just love this guy, and, and I think. Will O'Donoghue possibly doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Reserve, uh, deserves, sorry, and I think he's he's a pivotal, pivotal player for for Limerick, um, and a pivotal player in, in this Limerick chain. Now he's not your 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 natural midfielder that will go and score four or five points, but he's just a beast of a man. I actually think, and this is being kind to him, and and, and actually. Offering him a compliment here, I think he's a bully in the middle of the field. I actually mm. do. I think, I think if you take Will O'Donnell out of that Limerick team, they probably don't motor, motor to the same effect um, with him in the team. And look, that's complimented by uh, by, by Keane Lynch playing alongside him. And, and just Keane Lynch, speaking of Keane Lynch, massive, massive testament to him yesterday. You know, to go in and put in the shift that he put in yesterday. Coming off at of the back of, of, a, of a really tough week, and look, as I send out my condolences to the Carey family. Um, but look, Limerick, you know, they're they're they're, they're an incredible outfit, um, and 
justified their, their favourite side to, to be uh, to, to win the All Ireland. Um, but look, Waterford. Oh, yesterday was a, was 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 a major major plus. Um, but look, going into next weekend, uh, what I would say to Waterford supporters is, you know, let's tread carefully with with the next game. You know, I've had an awful lot of Texas coming on and think, Jesus, a great draw and stop Tony Kelly and, and we'll win the game. Um, the next day kind of brings a, a, a different type of pressure in regards to Waterford or favourites, but one to two favourites next Saturday. I don't think we should be one to two favourites. I think we possibly should be 10 to 11. Players should be 11 to 10. And I just think it's it's, it's a game we should tread very carefully uh, next Saturday coming up against Clare because for me, it's very, very much nearly a 50-50 game and Clare has some, some, some incredible horrors. And I think if you're in the Clare camp and you're hearing that they're a one-man team, it's all about Tony Kelly, you know, you're Brian Lone, you're saying to Shane O'Donnell, but well, Shane O'Donnell, you're saying to Connor Cleary, um, McInerney, Aaron Shanahan, they're good horrors, very, very good horrors. So what I'd say is it, it's a great result, albeit I, I still fancy our lads next Saturday, but it, 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 it's a dangerous game. And I, I believe it or not, when the draw was made, I was actually hoping we get Tipperary rather than get Clare in, you know? Yeah. Michael, what was your assessment of yesterday's game? Obviously, Limerick, with that bench in the final quarter, you know, like against Tipperary, they made a huge impact. As John said, a lot of positives for Waterford, but ultimately, Limerick are most of the champions back-to-back. Um, you know, how, how, how do you assess the game? Yeah, a good few people saying kind of that, uh, that Waterford showed the, the blueprint on how to beat Limerick. Uh, I suppose just to match them, match them physically, bring that massive, massive energy as well. But in fairness, probably Limerick are probably being... Uh, and it's it's no fault of anyone, but Limerick have probably been underplayed almost in the sense that people expected them, not expected them, but they're expecting something unbelievable from them every time they go out. And yesterday they were struggling, as John says, like the much vaunted half-hour line, which is absolutely unbelievable. I think Waterford played smartly by giving them a sharp hook out. They didn't even, because that meant that there was less ball coming down the half-hour line. So the influence of the... Of, of Hegarty and Morrissey in particularly was negated a small bit but the inside line went to town then Casey with three Mulcahy with four and Galan with two just on Galan as well um, Todd Connor Prunty was absolutely outstanding on him I have to say it's as good as anybody has done on him um, and Galan is often the out ball for Limerick as in if they're under pressure they'll put a ball in the edge of the square that was taken away yesterday basically because Prunty was doing so well on him and thought he was brilliant on him um, Todd Jack Prendergast as well definitely deserves a mention on the Watford side and Stephen Bennett was brilliant too that, that chase back on uh, he got back on one of the Limerick forwards going through he had absolutely no right to I thought he was brilliant too Watford brought a huge energy to it um, but as John says there's only six days between the Munster final and the, the qualifier the quarter final now against Clare and it's going to be a quick come down they absolutely emptied themselves so I would definitely be treading carefully I think that's a 50-50 game but honest with you from a Limerick point of view a lot of lads didn't play to the level that were associated with and they still were able to get over the line, which is huge for them. Uh, the water breaks, it just they, they won after the first water break, they, they won up until half time seven points to four. Then after the second water break, they won seven points to three. So it's just a little it's funny and John John will tell you from, from being on the field. It can be hard to stop things happening when you're on the pitch, and you know you can just go from uh, the first minute up until half time. Then you come in at half time, and your manager, your coach will tell you this, this, and this. And you need to do this. But when you're getting that instruction halfway during a half, like like Limerick were, and Kinnerk was probably not saying anything groundbreaking to them. He was probably just saying we're taking shots from too far out. We're not being clever enough with possession. We need to make percentage plays, and that's what they did then. And they had, as I said with Flanagan coming in, with Adrian Breen coming in, who we hadn't really seen yet, they have subs that can come in and make that massive difference. Uh, from a Limerick point of view, they, they're not saying they underperformed, but some guys definitely weren't up to the level that were associated with, and they were still able to get a result, which is huge for them from a Waterford point of view. Uh, like, what a difference a year or two can make. Just real high energy everywhere, high octane stuff, and... Uh, they need to be careful, though. They need to be on guard next weekend because Clare are coming with a ball of momentum. And that's like the draw couldn't have worked out better from a neutral point of view, in my view, anyway, because it's two seriously, two games that are 50 50 games, really. It's brilliant. 
Yeah, it's worth mentioning the Waterford doing this all without Porek Mani as well, who's uh, missing with uh, a knee injury. He'd be a huge part of that attack. John, what did you make of John Kiley's comments after the game about, I suppose, the members of his panel who aren't able to attend due to the restrictions around the numbers? He was extremely strong in his comments. You know, probably rare to see him so animated or, or, or critical after a match like that. It, it was probably one of the big talking points coming out of the game. Ah, uh, look, he's 100% correct. I mean, how can you go in on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night and have 36 lads training, but yet you go play a match on a Sunday um, and those 36 lads can't travel, you can only go down, you can only bring bring 26. So I think he's 100% right. I think that has to change. Now, look, an awful lot of non-GA people are probably saying, well, well who, are, who, are, who are they to go saying what, what, we, sh- what we should and shouldn't do? Um, but I think he's, he's 100% correct that. You know, I think that has to change, and just think a bit of common sense has to prevail. That, as as I said, I mean, it's it doesn't make sense where you can have thirty six lads train on a Tuesday and probably a Thursday or Friday night, but yet they can't go to a, to a match on a Sunday. Yeah, Michael, what did you make of it? Yeah, Kylie, Kylie was very strong on it. I think he's a very smart man as well. Um, I think that's I think that's definitely what he thinks and what he feels. But he's also. Uh, there's no talk of like, pressure on Limerick and Limerick being All-Ireland favourites. There's less talk away from the match, I shall I say, and more talk on this, which I think is quite smart from his point of view. But it's obviously something he's very uh, passionate about. He's very traditional, kind of like, uh, kind of like a Brian Cody too. And I think when he talks about things that are going on in the GA, he tends to speak for what most people think. Now, some people will say that, you know, I'm unable to visit X, Y, or Z, and like I totally, totally understand that as well. But as John says, these guys are training together the whole time, Tuesday and Thursday. They're all driving in individual cars. They're all going to sit in the stand, you know, from me to the wall away from each other. There's absolutely no threat for having another twenty people in there. At the end of the day, the games wouldn't be going ahead if it wasn't for you know. It's not just the fifteen on the field or the twenty-six that are talked out. It's the thirty-six that are being carried by every county. And the games wouldn't be going ahead without them. So um, mm. I absolutely no no issue with that at all. The fact that Kylie said as well that they weren't going to present the cup until the Tuesday night will kind of show you how uh, how strongly he feels about that because he doesn't feel like it's a presentation unless everybody there, everybody is there that helped earn the title. So yeah, I I I, I don't see a change in personally. I don't see a change, and I I don't see. I think that that would it would have been the case at the start, and I don't see them changing midstream now. But it's probably something that should change. Yeah, and just looking at the other provincial final over the weekend, John uh, Kenny Gawain, Saturday night, a real smash and grab with Kenny and uh, Brian Cody's first center title since 2016, and kind of like maybe the league title in recent years and the Ireland final appearance. It's, you know, it's, it's a really great managerial achievement to get something out of, of this squad where it's maybe not as strong as squads he's had uh, previously. Galway will be kicking themselves, but you know, Richie Hogan, TJ Reid, those great warriors standing up in that second half. Ah, uh, look, you. Let's let's enjoy Brian Cody for how many years he's he's going to he's, he he has left to, to give to the game. Uh, I mean, really really break it down. He's interview after the game, sixty six years of age, right? He's probably in 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 the in, in the the high risk category, right? Probably had a few health problems as well. But just just let's just enjoy this man while for uh, for whatever length of time is is. Is, is left in, in, in his managerial I mean, what was that? He was his 16th Leinster title, or was he 17th? Yeah. 16th, yeah. Six, 16th. I mean, that's just remarkable. I mean, you even go back to the 80s, the 90s, I don't even think Kilkenny even won nine or ten Leinster championships in, in, in both those decades. But as I said in the papers Saturday, you know, right Kilkenny after Pearl, right a Cody team after Pearl. We've seen it last year, you know, after the months of final, Limerick were, were hot favourites and, you know, everyone was writing off Cody, everyone was writing off Kilkenny and it was a bit similar going into uh, Saturday night's game and I felt that Saturday night's game, I think Kilkenny's knees was, was greater and, you know, as Galway found out, there were five points up, probably in control of the game but as I've said in the past, you don't have Kilkenny beaten until you're going down the motorway with the cup in, cup in your hands. Um, John, look, just a, John, just a quick one for you on Cody. Has the, have the last three years been Cody's best three years with Kilkenny? Big time, very big time. And I'm, I, I'm also coming to the conclusion as well, and I think the debate is going gonna, is gonna, 
is going to is going to rise now that I'm starting to believe that TJ Reid is the daddy of them all. I honestly do. I think I think he's what TJ Reid has done the last five six years, and um, probably in lesser sides than than what uh, the Kilkenny teams in the past, the Kilkenny players of the likes of JJ Henry, Tommy Welch, and DJs who will come into that, that category of probably the, the greatest Kilkenny player of all time, Eddie Kerr. But I'm starting to believe now, and I think the debate is going to be out there now, that I think TJ Reid, for what he's after doing the last five, six years, and probably not in, in, in the Kilkenny team that we, we know of, of the old, I'm beginning to believe that he's the daddy of them all. And then just on Brian Cody, I remember Martin Bretney saying when there was a little bit of talk about whether Brian Cody was the right man to continue to lead Kilkenny, he was saying that if Brian Cody's the greatest manager of all time, surely the greatest manager of all time is the best man to lead Kilkenny uh, out of, you know, maybe the funk that they were in. And what about Galway though, Michael? You know, they would have come in with expectations after that big win over Wexford. As John mentioned, they had a five-point lead in the second half. Those two goals were just really rocked them. I know they hit the post a couple of times then towards the end where they had a chance to get back into it, but... Now they have a, a very quick turnaround. They play Tipperary. Like, very, very difficult for them now. Yeah, it's a strange one because they actually bounced back from the two goals and were two points up again. And you're thinking, oh, they've probably weathered the storm and they're going to kick on. Uh, but just, I, I think they only scored a point from, I think, the 61st minute. Either 61st or the 63rd minute onwards, they only scored a point. And that's, you know, even Joe Canning hitting the post with a free is kind of uncharacteristic. Um, and they just weren't able to wrestle back. They had wrestled back the momentum, and then they kind of lost it again. Uh, a couple of little instances. Jason Flynn's goal chance, if, if he'd went the far side, it, it was probably a guaranteed goal. He went the near side. Owen Murphy showed him the near side, and he went the near side. They just missed a couple of chances, and uh, it's, it's going to be a difficult one to bounce back. Uh, they obviously have seven days before they play Tipperary. The one thing you're guaranteed is that's probably going to be a classic, because every time they've met, in the last good while, they've been absolute belters of games. But they would have they would have bought themselves two weeks and would have been in an All-Ireland semi-final. Now they're going a really, really difficult passage. They play Kilkenny one Saturday. They're going to be playing Tipperary next Saturday. And then they're going to probably have Limerick. They're going to have Limerick the Saturday after that, if they win, probably. So like, if they're going to win it, and I know John kind of half-tipped them to win, and he went tipped them to win through the back door, they're, they're really going to have to do it the hard way. And... Yeah, it just it's it's ama- it's amazing. I'd say they thought they were in control of the game, but the fact and I know they got away with it three years ago when they won the All Ireland, but the fact that they weren't able to hit the net if they got if they gotten a goal, the game probably went over. And Canning, in a sense, maybe knew that and tried to force the issue with a free great save from Conor Fogarty down low. Um, but it's gonna take yeah, it's gonna take a fair effort to bounce back. Just quickly on Co- on Cody as well, something not mentioned: Walter Walsh not doing the business, taking off. Colin Fenley not doing the business, taking off. Conor Fogarty, tiring, taking off. He doesn't care. It, it, there's, no, there's no sentiment. I'd say TJ is the only one he wouldn't take off if he wasn't going well. Sentiment absolutely goes out the window. And uh, it's just so, so ruthless because he knows, what, he knows what's going to come in. He's going to carry, he's going to carry kind of that, that Kilkenny culture. They're going to have that, those characteristics, those never-say-die attitudes when they come in. And he brought lads in and they turned the game. He wasn't afraid to make switches. And, um, yeah, he's, just, he's, a, he's a ruthless, ruthless man. And he got the results again on Saturday evening. But, 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 but that, that's a great trade of, of Cody. But he didn't have that, as I said to you in the paper, uh, as I said on the paper there, Saturday, he didn't have that luxury three, four years ago, where, you know, you go back to the Tipperary, the All-Ireland final in, in 16, where they were getting beaten up a stick and he only made two substitutions. And it was probably play, players back then that probably still stay on the field, that probably shouldn't have stayed on the field. But what he has now, he has a panel. He has a panel of players that he, that he can call upon. And the beauty about taking off uh, Colin Fenley, taking off Walter Welsh, taking off Conor Foley, when you see them the next day, now, they are going to bust a gut that's the beauty. You've seen it over the years where he's taken off players and then they come out the next day then and they're nearly man of the match. And and look at the Kilkenny performance. I thought Connor Brown was 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 excellent in, in, in midfield. Horrick Welch was excellent. And look, lads, we've got to give Richie Hogan a mention. I mean, Richie Hogan, I still stand on the record last year that he should have been sent off in the All Ireland final. Now, he was probably in a low place. He probably would have carried that for the best part of 15 months uh, or 15 months that, that all earned in defeat. Probably would have probably blamed himself um, for Kilkenny losing. But, you know, to come back 
Saturday night and they gave the performance they gave. I mean, the goal was just incredible. I mean, I looked at it again last night in the Sunday game. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. And and over the course of the weekend, there was scores that were just awesome. I mean, you look at Cannon sideline cut to um, Joseph Cooney. Cooney. Incredible yeah. score. Uh, you look at uh, Jake Morris's goal. A little flick from um, Willie Connors. Connors in, 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 into into uh, into Jake. You look at uh, Keen Lynch's Keen Lynch's score. You look at Desi Hutchinson's score. You look at the remarkable scores that that Tony Kelly had. I actually think last week last weekend was 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 the movement week. I think we we we, we finally have a championship. We were waiting for it to to ignite. It was a bit like the Champions League where there was high scoring here and there. Well, now we're into the business end of it now. The pressure is on. Scores are not going to come freely. And we have one hell of a chance on our hands now. Yeah, Michael, and just on, on Wexford Clare as well, you know, very disappointing day for, for Wexford and for Davy Fitz. You know, there was a lot of, you wrote a really good piece last week kind of about the Brian Lowe and Davy Fitz kind of from friendship to feud. Great win for Clare. Tony Kelly was amazing again with 115. But for Davy, if that's the end of his tenure in Wexford, very disappointing way to finish up. Yeah, I don't I don't expect it to be the end because he did sign on for two years, so I'd be surprised and twenty twenty would probably go into twenty twenty one now at this stage because we're so close. But yeah, it was really, really poor. I was looking at the Limerick game yesterday and I was just looking at particularly their forwards and when the ball got from sixty five yards up, when the shots on, they take a shot. And I thought Wexford on Saturday were just overcomplicating things and they looked a bit kind of restricted, almost straight jacketed. They were it's like they knew they had to play a certain way or it had to be a flick pass here or there. The conditions aren't really conducive to that as well. They were just I just thought they were overcomplicating things. That's not to say that they should be going away from the style of play that they're playing. I'm not saying that at all. I just thought it was it was just a bit too much, particularly in conditions. It needs to be a small bit, maybe more direct uh the game was over realistically at, at half-time, but not at half-time, maybe 10 minutes into the second half when Clare had kind of squeezed them and made sure that they didn't get a big rally after half-time. They missed three or four good chances, albeit into the, the teeth of a gale in the, in the first half. Um, and it's, it's hard to kind of know. 2017, he came in, brilliant season. 2018, a lull. 2019, a massive high. 2020, a massive low. There's no point in saying any different. With with two really, really disappointing kind of championship performances. Um, he he spoke after it was interesting comments. Davy said there was he was getting a lot of abuse from a, a Clare backroom team member, and uh, you know it was kind of a contrast to that. I suppose a lot of the the Clare players from the 2013 All Ireland winning team came over to him and you know. Consoled him or whatever after and just said you know best of, best of luck going forward and I'm sure he said to the same to Clare lads but kind of hard to know where where Wexford go uh, they were so close last year and they were just a mile off this year for whatever reason yeah John what, what do you make of that yeah well look I think Vernie's on I think Craig I think he will be there next year I mean it's it's the month of November now we're going into December now so it's not going to be not going to be a change I think look given on what he's after uh, doing for Wexford or over the last three to four years um, you know the, the low base where they're after coming from the last three to four years like he had him within uh, you know they were practically a couple of scores away from, from, from overcoming Tipperary and getting to an All-Ireland final I think he, he deserves to uh, deserves a, another year but you know they were thoroughly disappointing but look they were missing probably their best player Lee Chin probably the comments after the Galway game you know coming out saying with the players that they didn't give enough and then you're going asking them then to, to put in a shift for you a week later possibly looking back and if you reflect on that it probably possibly wasn't the, 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 the right thing probably wasn't the right thing to uh, to do um, but look and, and look from, from, from a Wexford point of view and it's a bit similar to Warford this is this is the danger for Warford those Wexford players probably would have been hearing all week that Ah, sure, look, they're, they're down McInerney, they're down uh, Conlon, they're down Dara Duggan, they're down um, Colin Gallon, they're down Podge Collins. You know, whole, the whole psyche then changed where some of the players might be coming soft and thinking they have a, they have a soft match the, the weekend and, and all of a sudden then you get hit with a, with a body shot of which player hit him with in the first half. Um, and it's very hard to come back from that. And that's what Warford, that's the danger for Warford now the weekend. It's a bit similar now where they're going into the same territory as, as Wexford. They're expected to win. Um, and all you're going to be hearing all week is how oh, look clear or one-man team and they're going to be down 
this amount of players. Um, and that probably didn't help Wexford and it probably didn't help David Fitzgerald uh, this week. And, and, and if, if, if any team has been uh, hinged by no supporters being at the games, it's most certainly Wexford and it's been most certainly David Fitzgerald. Yeah, John, before we let you go, maybe predictions for the two quarterfinals this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go for Galway and I think while I'm, I'm sceptical and, and worried about Clare, I, if, if our lads bring to the table what they brought um, yesterday, uh, I think I think we will be good enough to get over the line against against Clare. But I think it'll be tough, um, and I I think it'll go down to the wire. So I'm going to go for Waterford and Galway. Great stuff, John. Thanks so much for joining us. No matter will. Well, it's time for football now in the throw-in. But first, don't forget to share your Gaga Box moments using hashtag hurling to the core on Twitter to be in with a chance of winning unmissable rewards with thanks to Board Gosh Energy. And we're delighted now to be joined by David Bray to recap all the weekend's action. David, congratulations. First of all, Mayo, the first team through to the All-Ireland semi-finals. Uh, what did you make of their win over Galway? It was nervy. There was a lot of errors at times. But ultimately, Mayo got over the line. You must be delighted. Uh, a long time coming, guys. Um, when you look at it, it's our first Connacht title in five years. And uh, hard to believe, but that's the reality of it. And I suppose the reality on a Monday morning is that they are again Connacht champions, uh, champions and bet our rival, Galway, um, for what was another one-score one game. Uh, that's five championship games in a row that the, uh, the end result has, has been uh, one kick of the ball, one score, and that's what you were always going to get with um, a clash like that and a rivalry as intense and with a, with a heritage of, of tight games in, in Mayo and Galway. But it's brilliant. And it's, it's, it was different, I have to say, from a, from a Mayo perspective, um, Connacht final. And, uh, you know, you, you do say that the, the, the crowd makes a difference, but what, a, what an atmosphere would have been in Salt Hill yesterday with... Um, 20-odd thousand people um, screaming, screaming to the countdown, which it was. It was, a, it was a fight to the bitter end, but it was uh, good, good from a mayoral perspective to get on the right side of the result. But um, I think it'll give a lot of confidence to the younger and older players as well um, from winning a, a Connacht title. And I say that because um, silverware is important, and especially in Connacht, and especially for your confidence. Yeah, Michael, I saw some of the younger players really stepped up. Tommy Conroy kicking three points, Brian Walsh off the bench, uh, you know, getting two points. And then even the substitutes James Horan went to in the second half. I think Jordan Flynn, Mark Moran, you know, Brian Walsh was one of them as well. I think Keith Higgins was probably the only one of the, the veteran players who we had in reserve who came in. So it's very much a new team, still with maybe the fulcrum of the senior players, but very much a new kind of, you know, kind of core outside of that. Yeah, uh, there's probably a lot of comparisons between Mayo and Kilkenny, actually, over the weekend. Kilkenny hadn't won a Leinster in four years. Uh, Mayo hadn't won a Connacht in five. Uh, while a lot of the elder statesmen mightn't, mightn't have seen you know, a Connacht title or a Leinster title in Kilkenny's case has been a big thing before this weekend. I think it's massive for a load of the younger lads in there. It's, gr it's great. You can't beat getting a bit of silver, as, as David says. It's one thing, and even for the older players, it, it, means, it would mean an awful lot to them having not had a, a title in Mayo for five years. So I think, I think it's huge for them. Um, I think it's massive for this year. I think it's also very, very important even for future years that the likes of Oshie Mullen, Tommy Conroy, uh, Mark Moore and these guys get silverware. It just confirms your buy-in to what you're buying into. And it obviously leaves them, uh, leaves them only two steps away. There's... I, I, I'd like, I hate to say it, especially when David is on the line, but there's almost this inevitability, I think, that they're going to be in an All-Ireland final, in my head anyway, um, and it's six, five or six days before Christmas and that Mayo are going to be there and the potential that Christmas could absolutely explode if they do win the All-Ireland. But uh, I thought, you know what I liked yesterday in particular, and a lot of people wouldn't like it, um, but it was a, a bit of cynical play and a bit of uh, near the end when they had to do they've been, at, they've been on the other end of that for a long long time and at the end of the day I, I actually not that I enjoyed it but you have to respect it they did what they had to do to get over the line when it looked like there was an opportunity that Galway could break the line and get a goal they did exactly what they had to do they've been, at, they've been on the other end of that for a long long time they had David Clark's tee been robbed or the ball been kicked away or something like that in All-Ireland Finals. They've been on the other side of that for a long, long time. So there was no way they were going to let that happen. 
again yesterday and uh, I have to say a bit like a respect for that you do what you do what you have to do and no one no one's going to remember the history books aren't going to say that there was a cynical foul at the at the end of the, the game that won them the match all it says is Mayo Connacht Champions 2020 and they're in all in semi-final now too so yeah it's uh it was it was it was good and I think the parallels between Kilkenny and Mayo are, are massive both you know big powerhouses but they needed a needed silverware at this stage. Obviously, Mayo needed it because they were going to be out otherwise. And it could uh, it could be huge for them this year, but it could be huge for them in, in the coming years as well. Yeah, David, because I guess although Mayo are in a semi-final and have a great chance of getting into the final, it is kind of a development year as well at the same time, given how many new players James Horan is bringing in. So while obviously they're going to go all out to get this All-Ireland Championship this year, in a way they are laying foundations as well You know, for the next couple of years. Um, from from the outside in, it may seem like that. Um, but what I do know is a lot of these players have been um, on the list and top of the list and kind of progressing outside the limelight of uh, the senior team, whether it be uh, under-21 minors or the devel- development squad of Mayo that have got a lot of experience in that kind of uh, inside the Mayo setting, but there was it was definitely the younger players and the, what I would call the transitional players, um, the likes of Tommy Conroy, the likes of uh, Owen McLaughlin, um, the younger guys, Oshin Mullen coming in. They have got a, an insight. But yesterday was was really for them um, the first their first Connacht medal, the first opportunity to uh, to claim silverware. And to be honest, uh, I would have seen that they were the standout performers. I don't, I'm, um, to give them time to bed in, they're not taking that time. And uh, I thought Owen McLaughlin was absolutely outstanding yesterday uh, from start to finish. He caused numerous problems from a, from a, a, to, a, to a Galway defence. He kept on attacking down the left flank and his, his uh, comfort with the ball was outstanding. And again, um, he did, he did uh, as Mike said, he did make a very telling um, cynical foul uh, in the in the latter moments of the game. Uh, he knew himself. That's what you call that's what you call um, experience of a lifetime, not senior game time experience, um, but experience of a lifetime. And uh, for me, again, Tommy Conroy was he he was electric throughout the game. But um, I was very I, I was surprised that he was actually taken off. Uh, I don't think his legs gave in. Um, I think someone of of his capability. That uh, they can turn his man inside out uh, within a millisecond. Um, I, w- I personally didn't see didn't see where I would have uh, brought Paul to his game to take him off. But again, you need fresh legs in circumstances like this. Um, and again, it, it was um, it was very positive. You know, look at Matthew Ruan scored two points from play, um, and really is only his second year inter county senior football. Um, hampered with a major injury last year. And if he, even if he didn't have two points beside his name, um, the one thing I, I epitomise with Matthew Ruan is a constant work ethic. And he showed that yesterday, uh, time and time again. And some telling tackles, some telling uh, runs back into a defence, uh, dispossession guys that, that um, created opportunities and, and turned into uh, to winning uh, to scores for, for uh, Killian O'Connor. Yeah, Michael, and for, and for Galway, it's very disappointing given, you know, they came in after the restart with such high expectations. They lost their two league games. The Sligo game was cancelled. And then they didn't they didn't really click yesterday either. Like, I know Damien Conner was back on the bench, but but he he didn't look fully fit. You know, poor Joyce will be very disappointed with how this year has finished up. Yeah, there was so much optimism, I suppose, going into lockdown, came out of lockdown, uh, took, a, took a spanking off Mayo, lost Comer in the middle of that as well. Uh, were decent against Dublin, but kind of spurned a bit of a lead. And now, all of a sudden, they're beaten by Mayo and they're out of the championship. Difficult one because, you know, Mayo had two good games under their belt. I was at the Leitrim game. Leitrim gave them a good game for 50 minutes. They obviously had a, a very, you know, performed brilliantly against Roscommon. Galway are kind of coming in pretty cold and didn't really have a chance to, you know, turn around the, the, their confidence, I suppose, if you know what I mean. It, it's kind of been a, a downer nearly since things started back. And uh, yeah, having been so promising earlier on the year, it's a really, really disappointing way to finish the year for them. It's kind of, 
yeah, maybe maybe Parik Joyce got got both sides, but things were going nearly too well at the start of the year, and people were tipping him as you know potential All Ireland candidates. Now maybe it's a bit maybe a bit more uh, realism to where they actually are and the work that actually needs to be done. But he he saw the good and the bad, and if he can just harness a, a bit more a bit more of the good, and uh, I suppose. Yeah, it's just, it's just difficult. That, that Mayo game was a real kind of a killer for their, any momentum that they had was kind of taken away from them. And it's very, very hard to turn things around as quickly as that. They would have loved the game against Sligo. With due respect to Sligo, they would have put up a good score and that guys would have been buoyed from that, got a lot of confidence from it. But they didn't have that. They were always just chasing the game yesterday. And uh, Mayo were just a, a step ahead of them. But th- there's loads of talent in Galway. There's loads of talent in Galway. And I'm sure we'll see that over the next couple of years. The foundations were laid earlier on the year. Uh, they were a bit damaged, I suppose, post-lockdown. But there's definitely loads to work with. Yeah, and David, just looking at the other kind of big football game of the weekend, a battle between two sides that will be in Division 1 next year. But there was a massive government class in the day in Donegal Armagh. You know, a lot of people now saying that Donegal are you know, live challengers to, to the All-Ireland crown that Dublin currently hold if they were to play in an All-Ireland semi-final. Like, how impressed were you with, with Donegal's performance? I think they were 12 points up at the break. The game was over even before that. Unbelievably impressive. Um, you know, scoring 122. Um, you look at the, the goal in Mayo game, um, they scored, what, 14 points and 13 points collectively. So, um, it was, for me, a massive statement of intent uh, right across the pitch, but um, unbelievable um, all-round performance. I thought the completely and utterly dominated Armagh was. It was so much one-sided that you go and you know what they really put their hands up as All-Ireland contenders, without a doubt. And um, it was it was um, it was hard for Armagh because they could never get into the game in any way, shape, or form. Um, they struggled for long periods of time. I think the strength. Uh, and pace from from Donegal was was overwhelming to a degree that just they never let them settle into it. And uh, I think Declan Bonner would be very very happy with that performance. Um, and again, it's against Northern opposition, tough. Uh, Armagh tried to keep it as tight as they could, but uh, the pace, the power, and and I think that the the overall uh, combination of of again youth youth and uh, experience has has combined well. I think the big thing. I think the big thing with Donegal now is that it's not a case of stop Michael Murphy and stop Ryan McHugh and you beat Donegal. They have so many other strings to their bow. Murphy was even quiet and a bit frustrated at times, particularly in the first half the other day. Probably the same with McHugh. But now you have Michael Langan, you have Kieran Thompson, uh, you have Hugh McFadden kind of driving forward. They've kind of they've built an awful lot in recent years, and they look to be kind of seeing the fruits of that. Um, yeah, just the, the, the not a reliance on, on the big men anymore. Like, if, if they were stopped in la- last year or even previous years, Donegal would struggle, whereas they're not struggling without them at the moment. And they'll be in a situation probably in the next game or two where Murphy and McHugh do deliver. And if they deliver big performances on top of what's, what's coming in around them, they're going to be really hard beat. And on that, guys, uh, Pather Morgan, um, absolutely outstanding. Uh, again, uh, another another um, you know breath of fresh air into the GEA scene, coming from a half back position, and I think that's that's uh, that's where you look at it. That a lot of teams that have mastered the ability to uh, counter attack from the half back line allows the like of of Michael Murphy. Uh, if you looked at it in, in, from a Mio context, Killian O'Connor, Tommy Conroy, Aidan O'Shea, in O'Shea spent more time in his own in his own um in his own in his own half defending than he did attacking but he creates room and that's what happened for the likes of Pat and Morgan yesterday and you have Ryan McHugh who's the who's on the far side who who can counter attack at any opportunity. I think that's that's what a lot of teams are doing. They're making sure they have the defence correct but it's the counter attacking players and, and Donegal do it to perfection. And Michael, for the third game in a row, Cavan overcame a halftime deficit, this time one nine to four points uh, down against down uh, to book their place in the second consecutive uh, Ulster final. Would you give them any chance of, of producing a similar upset against Donegal? It looks like a tall task, but still a phenomenal achievement for Mickey Graham in his two years in charge. Yeah, savage achievement. Um, same as last year, same Ulster final as last year. Um, they've probably got in there against the head. Uh, they were obviously relegated to Division 3. They've produced, you know, three big results. Even Antrim pulled it up to them for long stages, even in the in the in the quarterfinal. So it's it's a fair effort. 
probably in a way they're there, but there's probably a little, maybe even less expectation than last year because there was a decent bit of expectation last year and Donegal kind of blew them away. This year, massive, massive pressure on Donegal. Cavan kind of squeaked in there uh, this year. So I, I, gave them, I gave them a chance, but geez, it looks like Donegal are going to be very, very hard to stop. As I said, they're just, they're just so many kind of moving parts to what they're doing now. There's no longer a reliance on, on some of their bigger men. But savage effort from, uh, savage effort from Cavan. Someone like Grode McKeeran, who's been, you know, who's never left the panel and has always kept trucking away with them. Even they got Killian Clark back, you know, Thomas Galligan coming in. Ray Galligan's a brilliant goalkeeper as well. Like, I, I remember chatting with Mickey Graham earlier on this year. Uh, I think maybe first or second game of the league. It looked like they were going to struggle big time this year, missing a lot of big names. They got a couple of them back. Few would have probably predicted them to be in an Ulster final. I know I didn't. So that's a, it's a massive, massive achievement. And he just seems to, he seems to work the oracle no matter where he goes, be it Mullen Yachta or even in his two years with Cavan. They've been outstanding. Tall order in the Ulster final, but great to be there nonetheless. There's a lot of teams sitting on the sidelines and they're, st- they're still going strong. Yeah, no, I think what, there's only about five or six or seven teams left in the football championship. But David, just to finish up on the Leinster championship, obviously we're going to have Dublin Mead in the Leinster final next Saturday night. Dublin ran out pretty comfortable winners in the end against Leash, albeit Leash kept it kind of close in the opening stages. But the Mead-Kildare game was, was quite an odd one. I think Kildare were 10 points to four up at half time, and then Mead hit, the, hit five goals in the second half. Do you think Mead could put it up to Dublin anyway next year or next uh, weekend rather yeah, you know what um, the one thing that has that has impressed me with Mead this year that ha- they have been competitive throughout and even look at they have that experience this year already in the in the National League and they, look at there's no team that overall them I, I, I did watch the Mead's Mayo game and they should have beaten Mayo down in uh, up in Park Talton I think um, uh, I think they're set to really really cement their place in Leinster as the number two, the number two team going forward. Look at, uh, no one is going to come out and say they're going to they're going to beat Dublin in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I think uh, given given the comeback they had yesterday from half time and scoring the five nine, um, it, I, I don't think that happens. Uh, that happens um, by luck. I think it's um, it's it's well they're well drilled. Um, and again, Andy McIntyre will be setting himself up for saying okay. Um, Dublin, Dublin will dominate, but how Mead, how Mead set up will be interesting. I think they will, in some way, shape, or form, probably give Dublin the, probably a closer game than they have in Leinster in, in, in many, many years. But um, impressive comeback, and again, they've been impressive without getting points on the board throughout the National League. And I think um, it'll be one I'm actually looking forward to um, from a Leinster final perspective. Yeah, Michael, interestingly, I think Mead hit 5-9 when they last beat Dublin in 2010. Yeah, that's exactly sure. what I thought, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I thought when I looked at the results yesterday. I don't know yeah. if that's an omen or anything <laughs> like that, but even 12 goals in their, in their two Leinster Championship games, like, you know, if you look back to when Donegal beat them three goals in 2014, Mead obviously five goals in 2010, you need goals probably to take this Dublin team down. Can they, can they do that next weekend? Because even Leash had a couple of chances. Yeah, uh, just, just on, on the Kildare game, I was at the Kildare Offaly game the week before and, and at times the Kildare, the centre of the defence was like a landing strip like, and Offaly should have got through for two or three goals. So I wasn't altogether that surprised that Mead were able to take advantage of that, probably a bit more seasoned team than Offaly. Uh, they're going to need, yeah, they're going to need probably three or four, three or four goals realistically. Um, I think, I think the, the Leinster final last year would have hurt them a good bit too. Like, no, like... It's going to be very, very hard to beat Dublin, obviously, but you want it to be respectable. They kicked four points in the, in the Leinster final last year. It was an absolute obliteration. Um, and I think they'll just be looking... T- the signs are, signs are decent for me. The two performances in the league were good. Even some of the ones Davis's earlier on the year were good. The Leinster Championship so far has been brilliant, as I said, with 12 goals. They just will want to put out... like The more than Waterford in, in the Munster final mightn't be expecting to win but you want to put up a big performance you want to put up a big display do as much as you can something like if, if Mead were to hit you know 3-9 3-10 the game could be interesting particularly at this time of the year you still expect Dublin to up far too big of a score but from a Dublin perspective I think they'd like to be asked a lot of questions particularly at the back they'd love to have those questions asked and you'd imagine Mead might pierce a few holes in their defence. It's just a matter of maximising those chances. But yeah, I thought the exact, thought the exact same. 5-9 five, nine, five, nine to 13 or something, wasn't it? Or something like yeah. that when they beat Dublin in 2010. It's going to have to be a bit of a freak result for something like that to happen again, I think. 
Yeah, we'll finish up maybe with predictions for the three provincial finals next weekend, Mike. I might start with you. We have Cork, Tip, we've Donegal, Cavan, and then that Dublin Mead one, uh, first one on Saturday night, I think. Um, that'll, that'll be the first one. Yeah, I think Cork and Tip will be much tighter than people think. Obviously, there's, there's pressure on Cork now. They were underdogs coming into to the Kerry game. I think Tip will give them a very good game. I think I only see uh, you know, three or four points in that. I would, would expect Cork to come through. Uh, I think the Ulster final... Yeah, it's very, very hard to look past Donegal. There's no point in saying any, any different. And yeah, Dublin, Dublin probably, you know, minus seven, maybe minus seven, minus eight in the Leinster final, something like that, I'd say. But I would be, yeah, I'd, I'd be amazed if the three favourites don't oblige. But the tightest will be in Munster, I'd, I'd imagine. David? Yeah, look, at it's, it's, you can't be, you're, you're, you don't mean to be disrespectful, but... Um, you have the likes of Hope Dublin who are, are nailed on favourites and I think it will be a, it will be as, as close encounter as they've got in a long time I think um, again Donegal seem untouchable but um, from, a, from a cabin perspective I think they're not going to just show up and making up, uh, and making up the numbers the, and again as Mike says the, 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 the question the question everyone's going to ask is can can Cork um, produce a, a, a display that is capable of, of crowning the Munster champions? Tipperary, again, a team that have got to uh, an Ireland semi-final in 2000. Um, and what year was it? 2016. Yeah. 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 Um, they still have uh, the bones of that team. Uh, and again, we talk about youth. They've, they've integrated some some fine um, youthful players, but they've got some of their experienced players back on board. And I, I, you know what? That is that, that is anyone's guess. Um, because um, both teams see the eye in the prize. It's not like the long road now where you have to go into a quarter final and you're meeting the team on a run of five wins in the back door. It's it's a straight road, straight door into the All Ireland semi final, and after that, anything can happen. But uh, I think Cork should prevail from experience, and I think they have they have learned from last week's that their their depth in their squad and the guys they brought on uh, can help them get over the line. Yeah, well, the favourites certainly look in a good position, but it'll be interesting to see if there's can be any shocks next weekend in the three provincial finals. In the meantime, David, thanks so much for joining us. Guys, pleasure. That's all we have time for this week on the Throne in association with Board Gosh Energy. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the weekend's action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag Hurling to the Core.